0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Bulldog fans everywhere. We are back on the maroon mic. I'm your co-host, Colton Watson.
1: And I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller.
0: Everybody's a co-host. Everybody's here to talk about basketball or to listen about basketball. And guys, you've gotten lots and lots of content this week, and we are starting to wind that down. Uh, In fact, we'll even start to kind of wind down just basketball talk in general, hopefully, unless some other big breaking news comes. We'll, we'll on our regular episodes, you know, we'll update you as players start to come in and leave. We're not going to have whole episodes about players transferring in or out uh, unless something absolutely bizarre happens. Um, And I still doubt it. Uh, I, I really can't, I don't foresee anything that can happen that would make us have a whole episode about it after this point. But in case you haven't heard, Mississippi State has entered a new era of men's basketball as of today, officially. Although, really, I, I, I get—I really think you could have called it officially a new era at the, you know, after the South Carolina loss, maybe, maybe after the Auburn loss, it was just officially official on Thursday that Ben Hallen was out. But really, the writing was on the wall. I—I I don't even want to say the writing was on the wall because that makes makes it sound like it was a warning. It wasn't a warning. It was done. I mean, it, it, it was as crystal clear as it could be. As soon as we were a no a, a no chance to make the tournament, I honestly even think if we had won the SEC tournament that a change could have been made. I don't know how you, how you if you see it, things the same way or not, but there was no chance that Hallam was going to be retained. And so uh, yeah, we're in a, a new era officially as of today, but in actuality, you know, we've we've been on, the, on to the next next head guy going through this coaching search for some time now.
1: Yeah. Uh, I remember going to the last couple of games of the regular season, there was still the talk, well, if they we win the SEC tournament, what does that mean to Ben Halland? And I will tell you that the people who are actually in the know were still very much of the opinion, it's not going to matter. State was so far along. And, it, look, the reality is the coaching search has been going on for over a month now. Mississippi State knew the writing on the wall. They knew the situation. Um, John Cohen understood that at this point, like they were, they were not going to make the NCAA tournament. Even a run in the SEC tournament was not going to change uh, how people felt about this program going forward. I mean, it was uh, uh, very much a case at this point where if you want anyone to be bought into the program, you are going to have to make some sort of a change, and the state committed to that. Um, and a coaching search had been taking place. A lot of work was uh, put in, even when the season was still taking, taking place, and the run in the SEC tournament wasn't going to change that. And it's the reason State was prepared to make a move so quickly um, and able to have that hire made. This relationship had been in place for quite some time.
0: One thing I want to talk about before we get into the Chris Jan stuff, just I, I really wish it could have worked for Ben Hallen. great guy. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a classier exit than for a guy to call his own press conference, to just specifically and publicly thank every single person he could related to Mississippi State basketball the past seven years, and to answer questions about his his and this program's future, like Ben Howland did, that was that was a, a classy move.
1: Yeah, it. I'll admit, I I had a hard. I didn't even really watch much. I was having a hard time watching because I did genuinely feel really bad. I like Ben Howland a lot. I hate how it ended. I know how much this meant to him. And, like, you know, we, we discussed for a long time, is this actually, you know, a retirement situation where he's going to be – he'll step away regardless. No. Ben Howland wanted to keep coaching. Um, there there was discussion about him potentially continuing and at an, another school. I, I don't know how likely that is now uh, based on some of the things I've seen. Uh, he was linked to the San Diego job, but – he perhaps that doesn't happen now he uh, he wanted to remain coaching and he was very excited about the potential future here with the team that he thought we could have coming back with the players that he, he was recruiting and
0: I mean as far as I know he never stopped recruiting never stopped uh, trying to get his team in the best position possible he just it was just is literally about an ability thing he just couldn't do it he knew yeah, no, look- he knew that he, what he was doing wasn't enough that he wasn't oblivious to that. And was it like it wasn't for lack of trying. It just just the way that he knows how to do basketball, and the way that he's done basketball his whole life just wasn't quite getting it done.
1: Yeah, it was ultimately time to make a change. Um, and look, do I think his team next year could have been pretty good? Yes, I do. But this team could have been very good. This team this year could have been really good, and it wasn't. And we kind of understand where things were and. No one was going to be on board with, all right, let's give him one more year. Let's see what happens. You you had your opportunities. Um, Ultimately, it was time to make the change, and Mississippi State did. And I I think going out and getting a guy like Chris Jans was about as good as you could have asked for. Um, This guy's been one of the top coaches in the country for quite some time, and I do say in the country, for quite some time with what he was doing at New Mexico State. And when you look at his track record prior to that, this was a big time hire and uh, an impressive hire for John Cohen and MSU, um, and the type of hire that I believe is you know energizing the fan base once again, and hopefully we we can uh, see big things from it in the future.
0: Right, I, I'm I'm really really excited. One thing I want, we're just going to kind of break down uh, who Chris Jans is, everything you guys need to know about him. Andrew has been all over it from the beginning, and that's actually a talking point how, you know, we've kind of followed this right along, kind of just like a like – a, 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 for those of you that aren't hunters, it's kind of like when your when when blood dog, your, your tracking dog, finds the trail and never gets off of it It leads you right to where it's going. He doesn't have to go waxing and waning. He doesn't have to zigzag. He just takes you right along. seems like the whole way we were right on, we hired one of our 1A or 1B candidates – uh, really, really excited about that. And yeah. So Telco, you were on it from the beginning. Talk to me about, you know, his accomplishments at New Mexico State, which I'm sure a yeah, lot of people at this point, but.
1: Um, look, five seasons at New Mexico State, uh, won 79% of his games during his time there, uh, won over 80% of his games in conference play, had multiple wins over, um, power five competition, had a win over SEC competition, that being against Mississippi State. Um, In his five seasons, they never had a losing a
0: neutral site, that was in Jackson, so that was definitely a home game for us. We didn't go out there. there
1: Well, there was 2,000 people there. It wasn't a home game for anyone. Um, (laughs) I actually looked at that the other day, that nobody wants to go to play in that disgusting gym down in Jackson.
0: Um, I I like going. Uh, It's cool because my family doesn't get to go otherwise.
1: That, that's, I
0: understand that. But it I is. I wish we would come is, play down on the coast. Bad. I wish we'd play on the coast. I wish we'd play in Tupelo. The women's
1: team played on the coast a few years. I wish we could do it with the men's team. Anyway, yeah. um, in that five years, uh, four conference regular season titles, four conference tournament titles, and I mean, technically, four NCAA tournament bids only went three times. They The WAC was one of the few leagues in 2020 that actually had its conference tournament wrapped up uh, by b- right before everything went to crap. So, it would have been four tournament appearances for him had uh, the world not shut down, uh, but three NCAA tournament appearances. And then this year finally gets the one NCAA tournament win. One thing he didn't have and um, a classic 12-5 upset against a UConn team that was very good this year. A UConn team a lot of people were anticipating could make a deep run in the tournament. Uh, New Mexico State largely led by Teddy Allen having just a ridiculous performance pulls off the upset against the Huskies and gets Jans that
0: first tournament win. And and they almost knocked uh, off Arkansas.
1: Yeah, ugly, ugly game, but they were right there, right down to the wire against an SEC opponent that we're going to obviously play, you know, sometimes twice a year. Um, very impressive.
0: Wait, is, is, is Arkansas a permanent twice a year? We, we play them – they're not permanent, but sometimes we play them twice.
1: Okay. It, it just depends on the year. Sometimes it's once a year.
0: Who's our permanent twice a year? Is it just Alabama and Ole Miss, South
1: Carolina, along with those two? We'll always.
0: Play, I didn't. So we always play South Carolina twice a year. Okay.
1: Yep. That's uh, that's one of the random ones where Mississippi State doesn't have any real rivals outside of Ole Miss in most sports, and obviously, like baseball, it's LSU, and then basketball, it's Alabama. That's it. So, I mean, I, I guess you could say baseball we've developed the rivalry with Arkansas, but. Because we don't have as many like actual rivalries, they sort of just stuck us with another team in South Carolina, who does not have a lot of rivals in the SEC.
0: Um, well, I'm glad they did because if we do in the early 2000s, you had a rivalry with Kentucky, and I don't want I don't want any part of that <laughs> right now. Right now, Yeah, no,
1: I would not complain about having not having to play them.
0: Yeah, so we're um,
1: top it, but yeah, no,
0: look, very, very good successful, record and, and he had one season, guys, where he w- didn't do anything well last year. Decent record, still better than 500. Didn't get to the uh, NCAA tournament and didn't win his conference. They played every home game in another state. Yeah, uh, New Mexico was one of
1: the states that was incredibly serious when it came to their 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 COVID regulations. And New Mexico State and the University of New Mexico suffered greatly because of it. Um, I, I, I have very little doubt that. I'm not going to guarantee you would have won the conference, but I mean, I blew very little doubt. They would have been a very good team once again, rather than having a, a, a year where they struggled some, but even in the struggles, they won, they were 12 and eight. Uh, that's the, they only got to play 20 games. Yeah. Um, and they still finished, I believe like third in their conference, something they still finished high in the conference. It's like for all the issues, they were still very much up there. He's just been a very, very successful coach. And, you go back to it. He had one year as a head coach at Bowling Green. That one season they won 21 games. It was their best year in 13 years. Up into that point, Bowling Green's not a program that has much of a history whatsoever. And he was immediately able to step in and win, have a nice, successful season right away. Um, a long time JUCO coach where he was just dominant in the JUCO ranks. Um, and a nice run as an assistant coach at Wichita State under Greg Marshall. He's someone who gets credited for he gets a lot of credit. For building that, helping build that program up, they went to the tournament six straight years, made a run to the final four, and then the following season started off the season thirty-five and Um They were upset in the second round of the tournament, but he was a part of some very good teams under a very good coach, and that's a coaching staff that uh, has some other good things on it. Steve Forbes is currently the head coach at uh, Wake Forest, and has done a great job with that program. Was another assistant on that staff. It's a good pedigree to be a part of. Um and he played a very big role in building up that program. This is a guy who's just a winner. He's been around winning basketball his entire career.
0: Yeah. If and y'all didn't know. Fourth active, fourth most, or let me sit put this. Let me let me speak English here. Fourth winningest head coach amongst active coaches. I think just based off win percentage. Yeah. Just uh, coach K is like one thousandth of a percentile ahead of him in win percentage. You got Mark Few. Who's the third one ahead of him?
1: I don't remember. Maybe Bill Self.
0: Maybe, maybe Jay John. Yeah, I think it was Bill Self. Maybe Jay Johnson.
1: You mean, Jay Wright.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm stuck in baseball mode. Sorry, guys.
1: It wouldn't be Jay Wright. He had a lot of seasons early on, but I think it was I think it was Bill Self. It doesn't really matter. It's great company, and yes, he's doing it at a different level than those guys were, but. The guy wins. That's that's better than any of the other mid-major coaches can say. Um, he, the guy's just been around winning basketballs entire career. He's produced immediate results. He's been very impressive in what he's been able to do in on the recruiting trail for that program and on in the transfer portal. Um, he's brought a lot of talent into the program uh, via the portal and um, is you know he's t- someone who will take advantage of it. There's actually a great video of him that was done before this season. Um, at New Mexico State, kind of a ride-along video with one of their guys in their athletic department sort of discussing, you know, the upcoming season along with the transfer portal and NIL. And he was very open in saying, you know, one of those deals where it doesn't matter what your opinion is of the portal, it doesn't matter what your opinion is of NIL, whether you think it's right or wrong as a coach, if you're not going to take advantage of it, you're going to fall behind and lose. And he is someone who's very active in taking advantage of the portal, Obviously, I hope he would be active in NIL. I feel like that would be big got, for our basketball. He got
0: their best player out of the portal this year.
1: Yes. Um, I would hope he'd be active in the NIL, too. I think that'd be a great thing for our basketball program going forward um, if we could have better NIL opportunities for our student athletes.
0: Yeah, better than, you know, I love Dave's. But you got Dave's, and the only ones I know about right now, I don't know how what Iverson has. I'm sure he's got something, but Tolu has Dave's. Garrison Brooks had – uh, Dewey's. Little, yeah, a little Dewey.
1: Um, yeah, no, it, look, this, this is guy, uh, he's he, he's definitely able to embrace the modern game of basketball. I feel like he's someone who can come in and have a lot of success. Um, something I saw a lot from a lot of national analysts is that they think he fits the Mississippi State program. And look, fit can sometimes be a, you know, an iffy thing, how much does it truly matter? But, um, look, I, I do think he's someone who fits the culture that MS, MSU wants. And, look, we've said it. We just want to go to the tournament. more. But like The biggest things for Mississippi State are, can you go to the tournament more than every several years? And when you have an opportunity to win a big game, can you get it done? To yeah. me, he's the type of coach you could do that. And this was a, just a fantastic hire for John Cohen. Um, they've been on Jans for quite some time. Um They've they've had this ready to go. I was reading
0: other schools to get him. I want to talk about that for a second.
1: Yeah, like we, we can get into that. Like he was a someone who came up for the Kansas State job. Uh, he is an Iowa native, so like regionally, he, he's from that area. But he coached a lot of JUCOs in Kansas. I mentioned at Wichita his State.
0: State. I mean, that's that's the thing.
1: You mentioned his stand at Wichita State. He he's very familiar with the territory and. Just being honest, Kansas State is probably a better basketball job than Mississippi State. That's a play, like they get overshadowed because Kansas is the program that it is. But K State's had a lot of success over the years. And even under Bruce Weber, it fell apart there at the end, but he had some really good seasons there. That's a place that cares about basketball and wants to win. That's a part of the country that cares about basketball a lot. And you look at the new Big 12. Yes, losing Oklahoma and Texas is going to hurt things, but that's a much bigger impact on football than it is anything else. That's going to be a big-time basketball league. You talk about uh, the programs that are still going to be there between Baylor, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Kansas, Kansas State, and then you're bringing in uh, Cincinnati and Houston and BYU, and even UCF went to the tournament a few years
0: ago when they had Taco Fall. I mean, that's a better – a. I think as a basketball conference, they almost get better. I mean Cincinnati has been really good. Houston's been really good. I mean, Texas has been decent. I think they're better this year than they've been in a while. Oklahoma, you, you had Trey Young, you had uh, Buddy Heel's people even forget about Buddy Heel, and but since then they haven't really been much. You know, I, I think you're right. We we outbid a at least marginally, if not head and shoulders better basketball program for this guy. Well and-
1: here's the thing and I will say a, guy, and a be, with
0: more connections to the guy personally do, just geographic from a geographic standpoint.
1: So it may not have even just been like outbid necessarily because what K-State their big thing they wanted to go get Brad Underwood from Illinois. Underwood is a K-State alum. He was a previous assistant there. They wanted to try, try to make that move. Illinois is one of the better basketball jobs in the country. He was not leaving to take that job even though it was his alma mater. Jerome Tang was the other big name that came up and apparently all indications our drone tank will be named the next head coach of Kansas state. If that, I don't know if that's been made official yet, but there's a lot of reports out. That's the Baylor assistant who's been working at Baylor since 2003. A lot of people were expecting him to get a head coaching job this cycle. Um, but the other major candidate for them was Chris Jans. And there was a, one of their articles that got put out looking at their hot board, they had a little snippet on each of the candidates. And one of the major guys was Chris Jans and like, so you know we've mentioned things. Things are heating up with Tang. So things are heating up with him. What happened with the other major candidate in Christian's? Well, Mississippi State happened. It was. I very, love it, that line.
0: The Kansas State people get the idea that they didn't give up on him. He gave up on them because of us.
1: He was much more interested in coming and taking the job in Starkville, and that's that's impressive that you were able to beat them out. And state being able to land this guy is a big deal. And I, I don't know for sure if he would, but like there were people who mentioned maybe LSU could be in the mix for Christians. I would, not you know, I would, I would hope we could beat LSU right now for a candidate given the situation
0: taking place there, but
1: in a normal year, you're not going to.
0: We got on him early. More and he him. was. I think he appreciated us, us show having interest in him from a, from a, from the get, from the gate, out the gate. I wonder, sure. I wonder how much that mattered. I, I wonder if that'll come up in a press conference. If he says, look, I don't think he can say much about that. You can't say, you know, halfway through the season they called me because it looks it looks like we were shopping before we – not legally, not NCAA-wise, but just maybe morally ought to have been. Uh, but I, I imagine that had something to do with it.
1: Absolutely, no.
0: Credit i credit to John Cohen for doing that.
1: Cohen being on him as early as he was is a big deal. And, look – This is different than a lot of other MSU coaching searches where Leach was not the top guy initially for football. Um, Lamonis was was not the top
0: guy. I think Leach is better than who you would have gotten, especially looking at what happened with the New York Giants. But he was a circle back to the drawing board higher. I mean, we we had to go back to square one with Mike Leach. Right. Well, and his name
1: wasn't even one of the initial ones mentioned for the job alongside JoJo. Yeah. I remember uh, the Army and Air Force coaches coming up
0: prior oh, to him. That was um, that was a shock, and you had Steve Sarkeesian mentioned Sarkeesian. By crazy Billy Napier for quite some time. Um, um and Napier, you know, wasn't in, was I don't think he was ever interested. I don't. I, this hire was not similar to the Joe Moorhead hire. That one was also executed swiftly because it was executed well before. Uh, The season was over. Dan Mullen, come to find out, told John Cohen before that season started that he would not be back. But nobody was – I actually said that the day before. I was like, we should go get the offensive coordinator for Penn State, whoever that is, didn't know who it was. But we weren't all – we did not know that Dan Mullen would be out. John Cohen did and made a hire swiftly, but we did not – there wasn't a guy that we just knew would be a, a likely candidate that was hired at that point, even though like this one, it was done swiftly. Uh, the Chris Lamonos thing is completely different. Wasn't one of the first guys that we all thought of. I might have been John Cohen's maybe second choice beside Dan McDonald, and Dan McDonald suggested him. Uh, I think Tim Slosnagel came up for that and had interest, but he was, his demands were too high. Uh, I think this is not – I think you, you missed on your first two candidates for the women's job last time uh, because you were looking at, uh, I think, the old guy at Kentucky and then the coach at Louisville.
1: You missed this time on your top candidate. Carl Smisco was the top guy for the women's job. Yeah.
0: And you still made a fantastic hire. You missed this time, and also this was also kind of a snake in the grass type. It, it, it caught fire really late, but it was still a kind of a surprise. So the fact that, like, when Mississippi State
1: going out and, like, this is our guy and going and landing him, when it's a coach who could have had opportunities elsewhere, potentially at better programs, you got to give a ton of credit to John Cohen for that. Oh, yeah. He takes a lot of flack for a lot of things, but he killed this hire. And this is a, a crucial hire. Look, we all know ultimately Cohen's fate is going to rest with what happens with Mike Leach. Football drives everything, but folks want to win in basketball again. And he, you have the hump uh, renovation coming up. They're um, being started, frankly. And now you've got two head, new head coaches in both men's and women's basketball. You made a fantastic hire in the women's game, but I mean, hey, that wasn't your top guy. But the men's, the men's went. And no offense to the women, but we know that the men's hire was a bit more crucial than the women's hire. At the end of the day, you could have just hired, you could have just promoted Novak, and most people would have been okay with it. And yeah. you would have been like, "All right, let's 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 move on." And at the end, of the, I mean, it is a non-revenue sport. Not 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 knocking them, but I mean, if if you're struggling in a non-revenue sport, you're not losing your job over that if you're an athletic director. Mm-hmm. The men's hire was going to be a For massive
0: Mississippi state. You have three sports you got to worry about. And most schools you only have two.
1: Yeah. The men's hire was going to be massive and it feels like he knocked it out of the park. And you look at the national reception from it. You have a lot of guys speaking very highly of it. A lot of people saying he's a fantastic fit. The Mississippi state went out and got a very good coach. who can have a lot of success there. Something that was spoke a lot to me was, was Aaron Torres, who's a national college basketball reporter Um he said, uh, you know, three SEC jobs have been f- officially filled thus far between Florida, Georgia, and Mississippi State. And he thinks Mississippi State made the best
0: hire. Uh, I making to, it better. I mean, this is how good the hire was. Florida Florida hired the guy that was probably our third favorite candidate.
1: Yes, and I love Todd Golden. I think Golden's going to be a fantastic coach. I think he's going to have a lot of success in Gainesville. He's the. I, I will be honest, I think Golden may have the highest ceiling. Of a lot of the coaches coming out of this cycle, higher than Matt McMahon, but a bigger higher rate. than Chris Jans, higher than a lot of coaches who are going to be hired, just because I think so. There's something about him that's like that dude's going to be a superstar. So I don't think it's a bad hire, but it is a risk because he's not very experienced. He's not very familiar with the territory down there. And Florida's a place that expects to win at an incredibly high level. Florida absolutely could have gone out and gotten a more established coach, and they should have been able to. Now, again, does that make it a bad hire? No, but. Like, Mississippi State getting Chris Jans is getting a right now a better option. Georgia, obviously historically Georgia is one of the worst basketball programs in the SEC, but they're a place that has all the resources in the world to win at an incredibly high level. And, instead of, and that was appealing to guys, but instead of going out and going with a mid-major coach who could win and potentially do that and have success, they went and they took Florida's old coach, who we know what his results are, and it's mediocrity, Nice, Colton. Thanks for that.
0: Um, I apologize, everybody. My We're, we're my, all good. My phone is connected to my computer, and I can't turn the sound off on my computer without, and still be able to hear Andrew.
1: It's all good. Not an issue. Um, but, I mean, Georgia made a very underwhelming hire, and neither of those fan bases are happy about it. Florida fans have had mixed feelings, but I, Georgia fans have not been happy about hiring Mike White. And then you look at some it of the other be. fan bases – Missouri, in all likelihood, is hiring Dennis Gates from Cleveland State. Now, I think Dennis Gates is a very good coach. I like his pedigree coming from the Florida State program. What he's done at Cleveland State has been very impressive, turning them but, around.
0: But that was probably our sixth favorite candidate. Yeah, no, he was he was we
1: were considering him, but he was lower on the list. And Missouri fans are furious that that's probably going to be the guy because they feel they should do better than that. I look at South Carolina fans; they were all in thinking they were getting Sean. And it's looking like now Miller basically just used them to leverage with Xavier and go back to his home program. Um, and that's when, like, South Carolina is going can pay more than Xavier and was going to. He just wasn't interested in taking their job because that may be the worst basketball job in the SEC.
0: Really? You think? They, we're, we're maybe. I mean.
1: People will make the argument that they, they'll spend – here, uh, I'm going to get to something in just a second that's kind of surprising to me, and I hope that this is something that changes. But uh, South Carolina, I mean, it, it, it's a tough program to win at, but they were all in, like, we're getting Sean Miller. And I saw, I was reading some of their fans' comments, and, like, they're mad because they think because they hired uh, Frank Martin from Kansas State, they think they're automatically supposed to, like, well, that means we should just every year we can go and get a sitting power six head coach. That's not realistic in your program. Not at all. And they're – uh, so a lo- there's a level of it being unrealistic, but I'm looking around and all these fan bases are very PO'd at the guys that they're getting or that they're going to end up with. Now, I think if Carolina ends up with Matt McMahon, which he is in the, you know, in the running there, they would be then be okay with that. But like Lamont Harris, who's the other big name coming up for that job in terms of a sitting head coach, I think he's a good coach. He should have beaten Illinois in the tournament this year. What he's done at Chattanooga has been very impressive. They don't want him at all they don't think he's good. Um, What
0: about the Belmont guy? They, nobody's snapped him yet.
1: Maybe I don't think anyone, he may be, uh, Belmont's actually paying him pretty well and they're about to make a bigger commitment to athletics and he's a Belmont alum. So I think he'll be sticking around there a bit longer. I think people want to see him have more perform better performance, uh, get into the tournament. Um, he's been, but yeah, anyway, uh, I'm looking at the school and it's not even that they're making bad hires, but their fans are not in. And it's like, state fans, we went out, we nailed it. And at the same time, it's not just that we nailed it. Like we got our guy, our guy is probably better than most of the other hires that these schools have made. Like I think Dennis Gates is a good coach. I think Lamont Paris is a good coach. Matt McMahon, obviously we, we raved about him. And if whoever lands him is going to be very lucky, if he does end up going to another school, I love Todd Golden, but, Chris Jans may have been the best move out of all of them when you consider the overall track record, the overall resume, what he has going for him. And Mississippi State went out and made that hire. John Cohen went out and made that hire. And that's impressive. And what's what's surprising to me, and this is one of those things that was concerning to me, and I hope this changes, but the athletic, they've been doing these articles every time there's a coaching search that comes open where they lay out who they think the candidates for the job will be. And part of doing so is they lay out how attractive is the job? That's and one of the points I want to that,
0: talk about. One
1: of the points they made for MSU, One of the points they made for MSU was they they were arguing that this may be the toughest job in the SEC. And per the financial data that's out there, apparently we spend the least on basketball out of anybody. That's crazy. About seven million a year. Other programs are over nine and a half.
0: It's about to change, but that's crazy. That ne-
1: now, I don't, I can't remember if they were factoring Vanderbilt in or not, but I know Vanderbilt's a program that, I mean, they, they devote to basketball. Um, they want, they want to win in that sport. Mississippi State only spending seven million a year ain't, ain't going to cut it when you're at the bottom of the SEC if you want to win. So, but despite that, you were able to go out and get Christian's. Now, I hope that changes. I hope you go and you're spending more money. And I hope that also makes people maybe appreciate Ben Hallen a little bit more and understand that he was working with some limited resources compared to frankly, what you need, if you want to truly win in this sport. True. I hope this changes. I do think that, you know, the hump renovation is a part of it and you know, look, the hump renovation makes it a more attractive job. And maybe part of this was that we are committing, Hey, we are going to take another step forward and be more competitive in basketball with how we're spending on the sport. But, Right now, it wasn't in a great spot, and we still went out and killed it. And you got to give John Cohen a lot of credit for that.
0: Yeah, what I want to say is, you know, again, can't call it a grand slam home run until he's coached a season or so. But you, with the excitement, with the reaction from other people, with what everybody's saying, with what how we are feeling, he could go out and fall on his face in the next two seasons and I don't think you can let that reflect on Cohen at all because what could he do at this point? I mean, he could not – guys, if you think we could have done better, you're wrong. And what's going to – and the only way that this could, be, could not work out for us is if Florida goes and does well with the, with the San Francisco guy with Golden and we don't end up not doing well. At that point, I think it's a, it's a matter of resources, not necessarily a matter of who's the head coach or just bad luck maybe footprint who we're getting our players from. Are they more talented because they just are in Florida and we're in Mississippi? I don't know, but there's, there's nothing else that could have been done. You had your one A and one B. It's going to sound like I'm just saying this because it's the guy we got. When we actually started thinking about, I didn't realize that Chris Jansen had success at every single junior college he had went to. And he'd been to several plus the success at Bowling Green plus the success at New Mexico State. Never had a bad year. His worst year, he had one hand tied behind his back the whole time and was still better than 500. I started seeing him as a more viable candidate anyway. I like that he plays fast. Uh, I love the aggressive defense. I think Murray State plays a little bit slower pace, and and I'm I'm about tired of it just from an aesthetic standpoint, not from a wins-loss standpoint. Just I'm ready to see some high-flying type of offense. Not that they're running, you know, the Warriors offense over there or the, the death, the Warriors death lineup or anything at New Mexico state, but still, it's a little bit faster pace. I, I think the search went really well. And again, if this, this, there's no way, even if this goes poorly, there's, there's nothing else that we could not have done any better. That's what I'm trying to say. If, if this goes poorly, there's nothing we could have done very little, we could have done at least.
1: Yeah. The only argument, if you want to make one is that, you know, I discussed – I was not as sold on him as a candidate anyway, but, like, if you wanted to just dr- try to drop a bag at Sean Miller, but as we just talked about, I mean, he, he wasn't interested in taking the South Carolina job, so I, I don't think he was interested in taking the Mississippi State job. Um, you look at a guy like – I mean, the name that's always going to come up is Rick Patino, but, I mean, is that really the direction that you're trying to go?
0: No, um, but that does lead into what our next thing is that, you know, he's got a checkered past. I, I want you to explain exactly how that went, how it got discovered, um, and how it's been since for him, uh, character-wise. And one thing I want to say before we get into that discussion is, guys, I, I, I hate—I believe it's wrong. This is where the sport is at at this at this point, and I don't like it at all. But for a program like Mississippi State, you kind of have to go the damaged goods route if you're going to win. If in, in your head coach, what I mean by that is, you got to get a head coach that the only reason he's not at a premier job is because of, a, of an uh a few years back.
1: Look that's at fair, Callum, but I would also at, at this point, I don't think I, I would not consider him damaged goods at this point. He was at, a, at, a, at an extent to to a certain I, extent. I, and that,
0: I mean, yeah, I don't think he's damaged goods now, but he would have what if he, he would have coached four more good years at Bowling Green, m- maybe moved on to a better program, and then either that's his final landing spot or just based on his record since then, you know, at New Mexico State, I mean, he's probably at like a top 25 program, wouldn't you think? For sure.
1: It, no, it, it affected his career, and he's paid for it dearly. Um, very much. So, the, the incident after his first season at Bowling Green, uh, he had an incident in a bar in their town. You know, he was drunk, and, I mean, it's very there's – a, there's a video of it. He gave a
0: girl a pat on her butt. Which obviously that's can't
1: do that it's out of
0: line um, and, and let was, me let me get it right i i don't know if it's worth talking about or not but i i want to know i'm curious okay is it more that that's not his significant other or was it more of, of, of some affection that was not not necessarily desired by the other person
1: both he is married I mean, he, he's he has, he's married and he has kids and I believe he was still married at that time. And it was just one of those things where it was like, you know, you may, you messed up. We're going to move on. We're not going to split up over it. But he it was definitely was not reciprocated. He w- was intoxicated at the bar, and he, you know, tried to make a little bit of a move that did not go over well at all. You can actually see in the end of the video, like, immediately someone comes up and starts fussing at him over it, which understandable, obviously. Um,
0: was it a once that video girl? got out, Yeah. Once okay. that
1: video got out, he was, you know, fired from Bowling Green, lost his job. I believe he had to go back to the assistant ranks for a few years, and before New Mexico State gave him another opportunity. And look, he is—he's been very open about it. That it was he made a mistake that he had to serve the punishment for. He's, you know, learned from it and worked for and improved from it. He's never had another is- issue once again. Um, if you talk to his players and how they talk about him, you talk to. You know, his athletic director and staff, there's no one who has a bad word to say about him as a person. There's no one who thinks that that incident is reflective of his character uh, today and who he is as a man today. Um, Look, he he made a mistake and he lost a job for it. I understand there may be some people who say that, like, you know, you should never be in the sport again or we don't need to have that type of guy here. It was an incident seven years ago that he paid for. He's had no issues since. He's done nothing to show that that's that's reflective of who he is. I think he's earned the opportunity to move back up in the coaching ranks. Um, Mississippi State, in the report that came out from ESPN uh, when when this was, you know, starting to break, it mentioned that he was uh, vetted heavily in that MSU's athletic department went out, they talked to all of his previous stops, including Bowling Green, about, about you know, everything with him. And um, they were able to comfortably Able to come away saying we're okay hiring this guy. Um, yeah, I heard they even so. talked
0: to. I don't even know if this is a if this is allowed or if this is a misprint. They talked to current and former players. I know former players would be allowed, but current players about how he. Is I think it coach. just said former. Okay, just former players. I don't. Know, I don't think you can talk to current players. That sounds very against the rules. But um, former players all said he's a great coach to play for, but he's a character guy when it comes to coaching. And so, and I think that one of the best reviews you can have is their uh, athletic director said, "I can't believe he we, we we've kept him this long." I, I've
1: never heard an AD make a statement like that. It was, like that.
0: It, was
1: some, it was somebody.
0: It was athletic director that said it, right?
1: It was okay. It was it the for an AD to come out and say, "Hey, you know, obviously ADs are never going to be you know unprofessional about it, but like for him to be just be very blunt, like." Not only are we happy for him, like we're shocked that it took this long for a school to realize what we have going on here. I mean, that's a that's a, that's a great thing to have um, someone say about you. And this is a hire that I, it's again it's being widely celebrated. You see the way people in New Mexico are talk, New Mexico State are talking about him. Um, there's no one who's got a bad word. This doesn't even feel like it's a you know a bad breakup or anything. Which I'll admit even if I was a fan of a program like that, where you know the reality and they had seen the reports leading up that this was a possibility and was likely going to happen. So perhaps they were just prepared for it. But look, we've been obviously on a couple instances, we've been on the other end of a coach leaving for a quote unquote, better opportunity. And neither time did our fan base take it well. And I, I could certainly understand seeing a lot of New Mexico state fans saying, I don't care that he's taking a bigger job. This is BS. What are we doing? Especially when, not even, you know, what, it was like 12 hours after their game ended and he's announced as the next coach at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Like, and by, by the asked. way, it was reported that.
0: ESPN's fault that they kind of, I, I imagine Mississippi State would have waited until Monday morning.
1: I i think that they were ready to make the announcement. And I will tell you, like, what, what I read, apparently, like, a deal was done a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Like, it, this wasn't even a case of, like, we still, like, yeah, he had to make it official, but, like, he had already agreed to take the job. Um, if you're a school, though, in that situation, I would fully understand being ticked off and, like, being upset. And none of them were. They were all just very grateful for his time there and, you know, are excited for him to have this next opportunity. He's left a big impact on that program and on its, on his players and uh, that university. And I, I think that speaks to the not just the type of coach he is, because, yes, you win a lot of games, people are going to love you, but there was no one who had a bad word to say about him. Mm-hmm. Yes, he had the incident in his past. And look, to go a step further, it, Like there's a lot of people are, who are looking at him because he was on staff at Wichita State under Greg Marshall, who obviously had a lot of in, issues were barely with player abuse and stuff. There are people who are going to knock him for that and say, oh, he was on that staff. There's nothing from, from his past there that you know that is tell, worrisome or anything. And obviously – as we just talked about he's moved past the situation that he was a part of uh, at Bowling Green. He, he's he has earned the opportunity to be a coach again. And there, there's very little reason to believe uh, there's no reason to believe that a, a similar incident is something to be you know
0: concerned about. Right. And if any Ole Miss fan tries to give you flack about coach morality, Andy Kennedy assaulted somebody was arrested for it, punched him, punched a guy and called him other several racial racial insults and wasn't even fired. They let him coach for eight more years, which also, again, we were never going to hire Andy Kennedy. I don't know why people thought we were, but we, we would have gotten a worse coach with a worse incident about the same time ago. I guess it's four years sooner or uh, earlier than this incident. But, my gosh, like, that wasn't going to happen. Thank goodness. All right. All um, right. Now we get you to kind of do some prediction type stuff. What does the staff look like, first of all? I mean, does he bring guys – does he keep guys that were already here? Does he bring guys with him? Do they hire new guys?
1: I'm not going to go full in on making a prediction. There's a few names that have come up. Uh, This is where I – this is my issue, not being fully prepared here. Sorry it's late and I've been talking for a while. Um, I have the last names. I don't have their first names. So, I mean, obviously the biggest question with the staff is whether or not George Brooks will be retained. There's sort of some mixed feelings on that. I would love for George Brooks to stay on staff. Um, Obviously there's no one who knows Mississippi State basketball and understands recruiting in this region better than George does. Um, But obviously, you know, that's ultimately up to Chris Jans and whether or not he does that is still, you know, to be discussed. Um, One of his top assistants at New Mexico State, uh, last name is Miller, I'm, I'm giving you guys last names because I don't have my first the first name in front of me. He's the associate head coach and is going to be in the running to just replace chance at NMSU. So it's still unclear whether or not he will be brought along. Uh, obviously, it depends on whether or not he gets the job there. Um, he has another guy, uh, Anwar, who is a big time recruiter for them, uh, especially has a lot of connections within the state of Texas. Um, I it's still unclear about who he's going to bring along. And there's an, uh, an assistant from Cincinnati that they may be considering as well. Um, still a lot of questions about who the staff are going to be. Um, to me, the biggest thing is whether or not George Brooks is retained. And then other than that, I would expect him to bring in his, his guys. But, look, I will say in terms of recruiting connections, even if you don't retain Brooks, he has familiarity recruiting the Southeast. Um, they recruit Texas. They've recruited Mississippi. They'll go into Florida. They'll go into Georgia. Um, New Mexico State's not a place where you can just go at, look off of homegrown talent. Uh, you have to be willing to go elsewhere. And his staff has been uh, familiar with doing that in the past, and they've recruited the Southeast extensively. Um, so I, I would expect a lot of those guys to remain. And obviously, if you can keep Coach Brooks on, um, that would be great. And I will say, uh, Rick Ray, who actually have the same agent as uh, Chris Jans, actually reached out to Jans to put in a good word for George Brooks. Because um, obviously, you know, Brooks has been on staff since, the, you know, since Rick Stansberry. Um and sort of, you know, to get put in the good word and say, hey, this is the guy you want to keep on your staff, which very professional from Rick. Uh, Got to respect that, that he was uh, put in a word for someone back in a place where, you know, he had three, four years and lost his job. Um for,
0: What's he even doing now?
1: I don't know. I think he's an assistant coach at Colorado. That's what I – most recently he was an assistant at Colorado. Okay. Um But –
0: I don't think he'll ever be able to be a head coach. Like, he was just that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a couple tough stints for him. Maybe maybe he gets another opportunity one day. But, uh, yeah, no, So that'll be the biggest question is, uh, for me, it's just does George Brooks come back? And I hope he does. I would love for him to
0: remain a part of the staff. I think the question a lot of our listeners have is, does he bring any players with him?
1: Uh, So, the kid – I'm sorry, y'all. I'm blanking on a lot of names. Obviously, Teddy Allen's the guy a lot of people are going to focus on. He had the ridiculous game the first time. Technically, he's a redshirt junior and would have another year of eligibility. If he is a graduate, he could come. The dude's on his fifth school currently. He began his career.
0: He should just he should just do it for the meme of it. I mean, sixth school? Yeah, at this point. How old, he, how old is he, like 25?
1: I don't even think he's that old. He – let's see, I'm trying to – Remember what the first stop was? I know it was like he had West Virginia, and then like he had a year of JUCO, and then he went to which uh, he went to Nebraska. There might have been a stop before West Virginia or a stop in between. I don't remember for sure. Um, but he, you know, ultimately ends up at New Mexico State and was their best I'm, player. i the going look year. it up. He
0: was uh, Whack Player of the Year, Whack Tournament MVP, Whack Newcomer of the Year, Whack All First Team. Whack all newcomer team redshirt junior at Nebraska. He had a red shirt 21 22. No, 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 that's this year. Never mind. So he played at Nebraska, highly productive there, averaged 16.5 points per game. Then he was at Western Nebraska Community College, averaging 31 and a half points per game. Then he redshirted at Wichita State did not play, was a freshman at West Virginia. They reached the Sweet 16 while he was there, came off the bench, averaged seven points. So he's got one, two, three, four, five schools. And other than the redshirt year at Wichita State, which what a place to do a redshirt year, right? He is productive at every place. So I think it would be only right for him to go to not only a fifth school or sixth school, but a sixth conference, and produce the way he's produced at New Mexico State. It would only be right. Yeah, that'd
1: be awesome. The, the other kid who had the big game against Arkansas, McCants, uh, the post player, he is out of eligibility. He, he finished up his college career. I remember I seeing some state fans saying, can we bring him too? Uh, I, I, look, there is some opportunity there. Some of the younger players could definitely transfer. But, I mean, look, New Mexico State's also a program that expects to win a, win a lot of games. They have a good culture going there. Uh, Maybe you get some. I think if anybody comes, Teddy Allen, I guess, is a possibility just due to the fact that he's moved so much.
0: I mean, he's not a stranger to it. Might as well. I'm not saying. If I were to expect anyone to leave. Don't don't take this as a lead or like inside a boat. No idea. We don't
1: have. We don't have any idea. If I were just guessing, though, I'd more than like, I figure if anyone comes, it's probably younger players who haven't had much playing time looking to like, okay, I'll go with the coach who recruited me. I don't know for sure. Um, the, the bigger recruiting jobs are going to be if he can keep Tolu Smith and Iverson Molinar to remain a part of the roster.
0: Which is the next question: What's this team look like next year? Does Tolu? I mean Ben Ben Hallen. I don't know why he would lie about it. Seems to I like Iverson Molinar is coming back. I seem to think Tolu would come back simply because i I think I've explained before on the show. Doesn't make. Maybe I just explained it to you. I don't might not have explained on the show. He I don't think with the injuries he's going to test well. Uh, on the NBA level, and unless he's got his degree in hand, don't know if he does or not. He has; he's been here a little bit. He has uh, transferred from Western Kentucky, but if he doesn't have his degree in hand, he cannot transfer without sitting out. And uh, if he's got it, if he's graduated, he's free to do that. And also, if he doesn't have his degree in hand, if he hasn't graduated, I don't know if it's worth it to him to play overseas without it. Without his degree, if he's got to work online. That's a personal preference thing. That's just me. Unless I'm going to the NBA, if it's me, I'd rather go ahead and have my degree. Uh, Same thing with Iverson. I don't know if Iverson has has his degree yet. If he does, I wouldn't be surprised if he did overseas ball. I don't think Iverson – I also don't think he tests well in like an NBA combine situation. I think he needs to work on his left hand. I think he definitely needs to work on shooting – He's not a pure enough passer to go over there and play point guard. I don't know if he's big enough to play any other position. And uh, I think he's one of those great kind of in-between college players. Wow. Great in-between college players, but not the doesn't translate well to the next level. That is a very rude and mean thing to say, and I'm sorry, Iverson, for saying that. I just – when you watch what they have in the NBA, it's a different type of strength, speed, and athleticism. Uh, than you see in in some really good college players.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, look, I definitely think Iverson Molnar would benefit from another year. Um, obviously, if, if he chose to take that year somewhere else, he could. Uh,
0: but Iverson uh, to transfer. Yeah. The new News is you're not you know your DJ Jeffries or Shaquille Moore, your Tolu Smith. If you haven't graduated, they can't transfer.
1: Yeah. Um, Tolu will be interesting. I. Think he would probably be back, more than likely. I if I when if someone's most likely to leave, it's going to be Iverson. The only official guys we know gone right now. Rocket Watts is in the transfer portal. That was something that was going to be taking place regardless of whether or not Ben Howland was retained.
0: Rocket um, Watts had more injuries than we even think he had. Just so y'all know.
1: Yeah, it was it's it's a tough situation. For him. That. Um, just couldn't ever get it going. Couldn't stay healthy. And then Javion Davis is also hitting the portal. I don't know if it's. Man. What was that?
0: Who has graduated?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if that's a Hallen related thing or not. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he would have left. He would have been and was still here. Just the the play. He was, he got plenty of playing time, but I feel like he's someone who could benefit from dropping down a level.
0: Yeah, um, he didn't have a lot of play, hardly any play time towards the end of the year. When Garrison and yeah. Tony were healthy, he was not on the court, and Garrison has to move on. So I mean, there's his place there, but.
1: There someone. could be a place there, but at the same time, is he ever going to be someone you will have starting? I would assume no. no. I think regardless of even if Ben Hallin had still been here, you would have hit the transfer portal and found somebody out of him.
0: I think you're in bad you, Mur- you do have
1: Keyshawn Murphy, who redshirted this year, who could definitely be a,
0: play a bigger role there and potentially has a higher upside. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely have two players out. I would say right now, Eighty-five percent chance you get Tolu or Iverson back. Thirty-ish percent chance you have them both. About the about fifteen percent chance you have neither. If you have neither, I'll be surprised. I think you'll have one or both. You know, sixty percent chance on Tolu. Maybe a twenty-five percent chance on Iverson. Something like that.
1: Yeah, and look, I think look, Shaquille Moore and DJ Jeffries should both be back. Um, I know Rocket did leave, despite the fact that he's going to have to sit out a year unless he were to drop down a level. But I feel like those guys, because like with Rocket, it was a case. He just never got it going here. And with the injury situation, I think he's looking for another opportunity. Um, DJ and Shaquille obviously were big parts of the starting lineup. And I, and I would fully anticipate that you're going to have those guys back. And I think uh, specifically DJ, I feel like is going to fit this team very well under Christian's i think he's a good fit with the, what they like to do offensively um shaquille as a knockdown shooter look christian's his teams shoot the three ball yeah. we didn't talk much about for those unfamiliar you know what he really does look i'll tell you i've said it many times i'm not the biggest x's and o's guy but his teams are definitely uh when it comes to their offense they put a big emphasis on the three ball it's if you go and you look at their shot charts and where they're taking their you know shots from, it's mostly at the rim or it's behind the arc. Now, that wasn't necessarily the case when they played Arkansas the other night, but that was a, Arkansas with what they were doing defensively was kind of forcing them into some tough shots that they weren't necessarily used to taking. Um, they're not full on like NATO style where they are only at the rim or taking threes, but their biggest emphasis is definitely you either get to the basket he's, or he's
0: not telling his players don't take any other shots besides those, kind of like Nate Oates does, actually. But his offenses are centered around getting those types of looks, which is which are the better types of looks. I mean, that's that's that is a fact
1: for sure. So. And look, I will say his teams percentage wise are not always great at shooting the three ball, right? But they're going to take the attempts because it's a more valuable shot when it's all said and done. Um, right. And on the other side of the court, look, they they play really tough defense. It's mostly man-to-man, but they will switch it up some. You'll see some uh, some of that kind of full-court pressure, which is not something we saw much out of Ben Hallen. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll, they will will mix it up some on the defensive side of the ball. They get after teams. They very, very physical on that side and kind of grind it outside. You know, I remember – if you remember me talking about Grant McCastlin a lot from North Texas, one of the reasons I was big on him was I was like, hey, you know, his teams play tough defense and they can you know knock down three even though they don't take a lot of them. I feel like there's sort of an edge there that could make you kind of tough to play against. Chris Jan's his teams have a lot of the same going for them, and they're frankly better at it. So uh, or his resume is
0: better. I, I think I, I think schematically is gonna be very good. I think moving forward, a lot of people said, you know, we need to, you know, recruit some shooters. Guys, I'm gonna be completely honest. Talent-wise, the people, the players we have now are sh- good enough shooters talent-wise. they, Their practice routine, the looks they get in this offense and the, philo- the shooting philosophy of Ben Hallen was not setting them up for success shooting. You know, notice how they got worse as the year went on. They're not getting less talent as the year went on. You notice Iverson Molinar shot over 40% from three last year and was less than 30% this year he didn't get worse at shooting they did not emphasize it enough as a staff on from, from a coaching standpoint they were not getting running offense that got them looks and let me tell you the best type of looks on the on the three the extra pass is good what's better is inside out when the ball goes into the paint and comes back out for the three where your shooters are already facing the goal when they shoot our threes a lot of around the horn dribble around a little bit dribble off the screen you know wait for a guy to come – if you're Anderson Garcia, he'd actually make some of these. You wait for a guy to come contest it, then you shoot it. Like, shoot shot. It, not ill-advised shots, but but not shots that you just – you know those you, – when you watch basketball a lot and you see those, oh, my gosh, that's going in, because you can tell how it got set up. It was inside out or it was a wide-open look or it was a quick pass that hit guys in the hands. You had a true passer in there throwing good passes. And it gives you a good feeling before the ball is even let go. Those type of shots were few and far between with Ben Hallen. Even his, quote, unquote, better looks just didn't feel right because the offense just didn't predicate itself on getting those looks. So I don't think you it's imperative that you go out and recruit some sharpshooter. I do think it's imperative you go out and, and recruit a true number one point guard, as in pass first, not saying he can't score, but just a guy that lets – Iverson Molinar kind of be, be more natural and play the two. If Iverson's back or Shaquille Moore, who I also think as a shooter, as a shooting role, you know, he's more of a two as well. We it said can before, to
1: develop into that role.
0: Maybe. Um it's a hard thing to develop. It's a real it's unless you're a Vic Schaefer and you have like a point guard thing going on. And I know that's a different sport with women's basketball it's hard to make somebody into that if they aren't that already. It's a very difficult thing. But you got to have you got to have calm, cool, collected. You can't get too high, can't get too low. It's 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 like psych like quarterback. I mean, it, it it there's it's easier said than done to just mold somebody into that. I've I have learned that this year more than anything because we talked about I think we talked about it year in and year out. If so and so can be more like a point guard. If we can get more of a point guard type of vibe out of this guy, if this guy we recruited from Michigan State or NC State in the in the in the form of these recruits we got last year on the transfer portal, if they are like a true point guard instead of a two guard. But we never we've never had that guy since Lamar Peters left. Not even with Nick Nick or Q Weatherspoon, and Q wasn't a point guard at all. We've never had that guy since Lamar Peters that was you felt like he could handle the ball and make the right pass at, the, at all the right times. And Lamar took some shots he shouldn't have shot a lot. Uh, and I don't think even before then, I mean, how far back do you have to go before Lamar? I mean, Lamar had – again, Lamar had some dumb shots, but he could get – he could get – create for himself. He could create for other people. He's doing it in the G League all the time. I don't even know who you had before that, that I would call that at that level. Of just being able to find the passes, find open guys. I mean, it, it's a rarity. It's a, it's a luxury. Iowa State. That's the reason. IJ
1: Reddy was probably it. the guy.
0: Yeah, but IJ Reddy was he was he was a fifteen hundred point scorer. So he's more of a score first guy. The guy they got at Iowa State, he he is a bucket too, but he shows you just kind of what you can do uh, when you have a point guard as a true freshman, and he's he's being a a a. Very, very relevant point guard. He's got him in the Sweet 16 as an 11 seed. When LSU had Tremont Waters, that kind of thing, uh, he was a a true point guard. I mean, you saw Ole Miss. What's that old white guy's name that everybody hated?
1: Marshall Henderson.
0: Marshall Henderson. I mean, that was the last time Ole Miss had anything to brag about in basketball, really. It was that guy, a true point guard. So, And he had some buckets, too. True point guards can still score. Stephen Curry is is a bona fide point guard. He scored 62 points last year in a game, so uh, I think that's who you got to go after. We're kind of getting behind the eight ball here as far as time goes. Last thing I want to say, you know, we've we've already talked about, you know, that this is a great hire. If it goes wrong, is nobody's at fault. Okay, for as far as on the hiring situation goes, they've done their due diligence. This is a new era of basketball, men's, women's, across the board. You got Sam Purcell, a very at least, at the at the very least, I think that's a pretty good hire. I, again, I'd call that a basis-clearing double. If you're g- grading that on the grand slam scale, you know whatever we'll measure. We use anything but the metric system to measure things. Uh, at least he's energetic, and you know that culturally he's a great fit. He's a people person. He's uh got he has all the vibes. He's a great recruiter. You got Chris Jans, who, as far as accomplishments go, was the best you were gonna do. As far as upside goes, probably the second or third best you could have possibly done is, uh, I think, like you said, the San Francisco guy, Todd Golden, might have a little bit more upside. McMahon might have a little bit more upside. But as far as accomplishments go, who's realistically able to be hired, it was Chris Jans. He's done it at the most, at the most consistently, the most amount of times for the longest. So it's time to get excited about basketball. It's time to show up. It's time to buy in. It's time to give them the benefit of the doubt again. We, we are starting with a clean slate with a guy that's proven it at multiple stops. He has earned the benefit of the doubt before he's even coached a game. And y'all need to show up in a slightly improved hump that I think will be vastly improved in two years. And next year it'll be, you know, kind of in between, but it'll be better than it was.
1: Yeah, no, I agree on all of that. I mean, you would ask me before the show to grade the hire. I, I can give it one. I would give it a solid A. Um, I, for me, an A-plus hire for MSU, I'm not going to be one of those, like, an A-plus is if you go and you hire, uh, you know, freaking Scott Drew. No, like, <laughs> a realistic head coach. Well, Tommy Azu is not few. that good right now. Um, yeah, I uh, think you're right, Mark Few. Yeah, like, a, a realistic A-plus for MSU, I would say, would be a guy who had a long run as the top assistant at a major big-time program and then had a one high, one big and a mid-major where, like, Multiple tournament appearances, multiple tournament wins, deeper. i like, if you're talking about like who could realistically MSU get, where, like, you're saying it's an A plus hire, that would be. And also like a you know a reputation as an elite recruiter. Well, with Jan's, he's he's got a reputation at a very good program. You know, coming from a good pedigree at Wichita State, he has plenty of success winning everywhere he's been. He's been to multiple tournaments. He does have a tournament win. And he's got he
0: is recruiting player. Juco and the transfer portal already.
1: Yeah. So, like, it's not the the best, best of everything that you would point to, but how often is MSU going to be able to get that guy anyway?
0: I mean, how like, often have we hired anybody in any sport that's never had a bad season? I, I, yeah, didn't have, did not have a bad season at Juco at all. He won 20 games every year. Did not have a bad season at Bowling Green, won 21 games. His worst season ever, he did not have a single home game. I mean, yeah. he was still twelve there, and eight.
1: There are theoretical B minus hires we could have made where I would have been on board and been happy with it. To come away with a nice solid A, you know, we we, we posted a, like a, a ninety three on the grading scale, buddy. I'm in.
0: We're Works in. For me. We're in.
1: And <laughs> I, I agree. Look, it's time to buy in. We I've said it many times. Don't do the will you know we'll show up when we win. Like no, it now is the time. You wanted a coaching change. It was time for it to happen. You got the coaching change, and you got about about as good as you possibly could have asked for. Um, It's a new era of Bulldog basketball. It's a new era for both men's and women's. Um, And it's time to get excited for these programs once again.
0: All right. And it's also time to put the students' courts out. But that's another argument for another day. That's all we have for tonight. Thank you for listening. It's a little bit of a long show. That will probably conclude, again, most of our basketball talk, unless something really crazy happens. Doesn't mean that Andrew's leaving us for good. We've still got stuff in the works Uh, for Andrew to remain. It was an integral part of this production. But that will be revealed to you listeners via the Twitter account, the Maroon Mike, at a later time. Until next time, as always, swing your sword and hail state.
1: Hail state.